Three, two, one, cue the intro music. Oh, we still don't have intro music, even though we're 117 episodes in. Welcome back for another episode of the Night Shift Football Podcast, where this week our focus is mostly on the Matildas and the upcoming FIFA Women's World Cup, hosted by Australia and New Zealand, including matches at our very own Hindmarsh Stadium. Tommy joins me. How are you doing? Hi. Hosted mainly by Australia. Mainly by Australia? Yeah, did you see? There's like a little bit of an uproar. In, little, no, there's a little bit of an uproar around ticket sales at the moment. Okay. That New Zealand haven't bought in as much, and so, Ooh. sure, it's a shared tournament. It's the first in its history. Excellent. Um, but there's only you know there's only one nation really pulling their weight. Is it the first in its history of a shared tournament? Yeah, I heard that somewhere. Let's Korea, go. Korea, Japan, 2002 doesn't. Oh, sorry, mean... women's, women's. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I thought you that's didn't... the context we're talking in. Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, Cooper also joins me. He's there. How are you going? Good, Sammy. How are you? Keen oh. for some uh, keen for some reasonable kickoff times. Yeah, brilliant. We've got some real good kickoff times. Um, We're going to jump into a bit of uh, World Cup and Matilda's chat. First, though, uh, listeners, if you go back and listen to our last episode, we did a red edition. We did a draft of Adelaide United players of all time. We all picked a team. Once someone picked a player, you couldn't pick them. They're off the board. But there was a bunch of names we went through at the end of the episode who didn't get taken. And then some more sprang to mind. I just want to share these ones with you, if you don't mind. Um, Carl Viet didn't come up at all. Name wasn't mentioned. Uh, Vidmar's name wasn't mentioned. Ross Aloisi. Cristiano. Um, Fabio Ferreira and I don't know why he would be mentioned but Geronimo didn't come up either these are just names that I thought of during the week um, and some were sent in by listeners but yeah there you go yeah Carl Veer might be stiff given that he's the head coach at the moment uh, <laughs> maybe that's why we didn't go for him it was like recency bias and in reverse there's a few in there that I considered Geronimo was one for sure because he actually had a good goal record per game for Adelaide Um. But, like, are you the same? When I think back of him, I think back of the diving scandals that he embroiled himself in. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And they weren't uh, they weren't our best years, were they? There were some no, good they're times. No, the, they were on the cusp of the good years, though. I think he played one good season. But, uh, like, Fab Ferreira was a good, a good shout. Um, just maybe another guy that got shipped too early. Like, if he had played two more seasons with Adelaide, he probably would have really cemented himself. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cooper, did any of these names come to mind, or did you have any others that we didn't mention? Uh, no, Fab, Fab Ferreira, like you said, Tom, um, a big, a good Adelaide United name, but I think the wing was probably, the two wings were probably the spots that we were the most stacked. Like, I still think Nathan Burns is ahead of a lot of those guys, like Fab Ferreira and Cristiano and probably even Colby, and, and he wasn't in a team. So I'm not overly surprised that most of those weren't there. Yeah, cool. All right, so there we'll go. leave it there. And, um, and I mean, Sammy, I really have Vidmar. Yeah, enough said, right? <laughs> you can't call an entire town piss ants and think you're going to get into our best of. No, nah, doesn't not going to happen. Um, there you go. If you want to go back, listen to that. Do it. Go back, follow. Uh, check us out on all the social medias and get around that. Okay, let's dive into the Women's World Cup because we're on the verge of it. Obviously, we're all heavily Matilda biased here. Um, Tommy, I'm just going to start by asking you. Uh, what do what do Australia need to do in this tournament to be considered successful? Well, they've got to get out of the group first. And we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But 
you know, some are calling it the group of death, which might be pouring it on a little. I think there's a one pouring more tougher on, group. I think, but yeah. Yeah, there's one more tougher group than ours, I'd say. Um, but on home soil, I think comes the added expectation, doesn't it? Because you yep. all of a sudden we're on like Channel 7 have bought the rights to this. Like we're on the mainstream. We're in the news. And you get, for me, I've always found you get the 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 band, not the bandwagoners, but the part-timers, the guys that come out for the events. Absolutely. So this is a huge event. And so they don't know really how deep women's football goes when you talk about the elite level. And like our FIFA ranking of 10th is entirely accurate because there are 10 nations in this tournament that could win it. Yeah. Um, Australia have a tricky draw. And so when you talk about success, getting out of the group and then seeing what happens. Success is semi-final, but I'm not going to be too hard on them if something goes wrong in the round of 16. Uh, Cooper, what do you, what do you think? I've, I personally, I've got semi-final as well, I think, but um, Cooper, do you think the, the disaster of an Asian cup last time around plays any impact has, or has any impact on this? Um, it probably has a mental impact uh, on the players that were within that squad. Um, there's a lot of pressure not just to perform because they're on home soil, but because of how disappointing they were in the Asian Cup. Um, yep. But the expectation's high. Um, you know, Gustafsson said he thinks this is the strongest Matilda's squad that potentially he's ever seen, and this is our best opportunity. But, you know, and he's right on home soil that we'll ever get to to be successful or win something most likely. Um Look, when I played my bracket out, I had Australia going to a semi-final, but I think anything less than a quarter-final is probably a disaster. Yeah, fair. Um, you know, we're setting what this... If, uh, go on. I was going to say, what What if, Cooper, we finish second in our group and we have to play England in the round of 16? It, I mean, it's it becomes more difficult, doesn't it? Um, that game against Canada is the big one. It should be a walk in the park getting out of this group for the Matildas. Um and on home soil, they need to take advantage of a 50,000-strong crowd against Canada and get themselves out of this group in the top spot. Yeah, it is going to be tough. So um, Australia does sit 10th in the rankings. I don't know how much you want to buy into FIFA rankings at all, but we'll mention them anyway. But Australia do sit 10th. Um, Japan are just behind 11th. They're pretty good. We know Norway are decent. They sit 12th. And then all the teams above us, Netherlands, Brazil, Canada, Spain, France, England, Sweden, Germany, USA. So uh, maybe like semi-final, we're saying putting us into the top four there, but I guess um, a lot is going to come down to that round of 16 draw. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, like like I said, this this is a deep tournament for women's football. They've, you'll find they've all... You know, the, the nations that have invested heavily in their programs uh, have, they're all reaping results at pretty much the same time. And so you're seeing the same improvement from these 10 to 12 to, you know, maybe even 13, 14 nations, and all of them could beat each other on the day. And so that's that's part of the allure, I think, of the, of the World Cup is that we've got it here in Australia. And also it's so competitive as soon as you get out of the group. Not to say, you know, the men's isn't, but this on a more even balance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you actually about the world cup and kind of more broadly, just the world cup being in Australia. Um, I feel like, I guess we've, we've watched the pro- progression of uh, women's football in Australia since the start of when they started the duck, they called it the W league. Now it's obviously just part of the A league. Um, and we've seen that, um, I don't want to sound. I don't want this to come across as patronising, but obviously the the quality level is a complete different world to what it was 
you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and now we get the chance to host the tournament with all these teams where football is now, uh, women's football especially, across uh, Europe is big now. Um, they're making a big deal about, like, signings for clubs, guys going, uh, players going to Barcelona, Real Madrid. Um, the Champions League gets big crowds. We saw the big crowds for Sam Kerr's Chelsea side in England in the Super League in the FA Cup there. Um, I don't know where my question was going, but I guess it's post, yeah. It's been embraced, I think, is what you're getting at. Yeah. And it's it's kind of in Australia, I think. I guess seen... I mean it's just a peak time. It's this is like the peak time to be yeah. hosting a women's world cup. Oh, 100 percent And it it, cor- it correlates with Australia as well. I think we're hitting our peak. I think yeah. you've got you've got now Gustafsson. He's been in there long enough. We've been through the heartbreak of the Asian Cup. You say a heartbreak because you go into it thinking ahead of the World Cup, you want to make the final at the very least, if not win it. Yeah. So to go out in the fashion that you did, that is heartbreaking. Um, it's, but just to, you know, to, to have the opportunity now, to you know, to have one of the genuinely top five players in the world leading the team who's won shit, you know, I just... It coalesces and you think all of a sudden maybe Australia are a chance. Like this is a proper fairy tale. And it, it does. It, it reflects so well on the football community and how we've embraced the women's game as opposed to maybe how you've seen other codes embrace the women's game. And there's always been, you know, the W League was established two years after the A League. So it wasn't an afterthought. It, it was always a clear pathway and progression for these players. And I, yeah. I don't know this for sure, but every single one started in the a, in the W League. I'm okay. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure every single one came through it. So, I'll just take your word for it. Um, we could talk more broadly about the the Matilda squad in general. I guess I think everyone's favorite, uh, obviously Sam Kerr is the first name that springs to mind for everybody. Uh, Cooper, are there any other uh, big names we should be watching for in this tournament? Yeah, there's plenty. Um, and I think that's the joy of of this Matilda squad is that. Potentially in the past, and even even maybe at this at the Asian Cup, just gone. There's been so much reliance on Sam Kerr to give Australia what they need to to win them games. And I think you know there's firepower up front across the board now. Haley Razzo has just become the first Australian player, male or female, to sign for Real Madrid, which is so a good. massive moment for Australian football. Um, regardless of what you make of the women's game, we all know how good Ellie Carpenter has been for Leon and. Yep. And for Australia, she's come on as, as much as we expected. And there's heaps of experience getting around the squad. Um, but even youth, like Mary Fowler is such an exciting player. And and although the Asian Cup might, might have been a disaster for us, tournaments like that are just it's just unviable experience for, for these young players. And we saw Mary Fowler come off the bench and get the goal against France in albeit a friendly. But, you know, she's she's a great player. And we've, we've got a lot more going for us on this occasion than we have in the past. Yeah, love that. You can, yeah, just wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Kyra Cooney Cross is another one to watch out for in the tournament. Another young, uh, you know, uh, young Matilda coming through. She got twenty eight caps. Another one that came through with yep. Melbourne victory. Um, she's led a Swedish club Hammerby uh, to a, a, a title after twenty eight year drought. So she's doing good stuff, and she's formed a formidable partnership with Katrina Gori in the middle there. Yeah, and we've got. It feels like coming into the tournament, a great balance of experience and youth coming in. It's just a. Um, I remember like just looking through the squad. You know, some young players coming through that are just starting to build up their caps, and others that are genuine veterans there now. And you know, even like Claire Polkinghorne, um, Alana Kennedy, 
you've still got Van, Van Egmont in there, um, mm-hmm. Katrina Gorey, who you mentioned, just a bit of a stacked team there. And I remember watching a lot of these players. I feel like I've been watching them for years, play for the Matildas when SBS mm. was the only uh, like station interested in covering it. And they used to show all of Australia's matches in like under 21 men's, under 21 women's, the, the Matildas, all of it in Asian Cups and in like whatever qualifying was going on, they were playing them all. And we've been watching these players. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing them get out there in a home World Cup. Let's get yep. into some of the groups. Uh, if you're ready to, or do you have anything else on the squad more broadly? Cooper, you? You, got, you got anything? I'm, I'm just, I think it's a great squad. I think they've assembled it almost perfectly for the availability. No, I agree. I think it's a great mix of experience and youth. Um, One player more or less talked about than a lot of the superstars that I'm really excited for is Courtney Vine. Um, Really impressive for Sydney FC and the W League just gone and and one of the fastest players I've seen in the women's football that I've watched. And she tore the, the right-hand side of France apart in that friendly and she probably will start in this Matilda's squad come the competitive fixtures. So she's definitely one to keep an eye out for. Mm. On that friendly, actually, I don't know if either of you can help me. We're recording late on a Tuesday night, two days before the World Cup starts. Um, but uh, Tamika Yallet went down in that friendly. Has there been any news on that, that injury? It did. I saw that she wasn't training. Yeah, grim. I just remember watching it happen and it was, I don't know, she looked pretty cut about it straight away. And yeah, wasn't good. Maybe she but, knows. Um, I think a re redoing of the same knee injury that she's previously had. So, uh, fingers crossed on that one. Um, a few days to get that going. Let's get into the groups. Uh, we'll start with Group A. Um, Cooper, we've got New Zealand in this group at home, but a tough ask straight away. They're up against Norway. Yeah, really tough ask. Um, Norway are going to be a good side in this in this tournament. Um, and if they can get things going in the right way. You know, they'll find themselves in a topping this group and in a competitive round of 16 fixture. Um, I believe they're a little bit, um, a little bit stiff on their draw because they potentially will come up against Japan in, in a round of 16. And if they do get through that, then their most likely opponent in a quarter final is the USA. Um, but you know, a good team, they've got a bit of firepower up top and they're going to be much too strong for New Zealand. And I think there will be a, a couple of teams in this group that are too strong for New Zealand. Mm, possibly the best front three in the tournament I was getting off. Uh, Arda Hegerberg, uh, who plays at Lyon, obviously powerhouse in women's football. Uh, Guro Raten of Chelsea and Caroline Graham Hansen uh, at Barcelona look like the most equipped of the, of the front three going into the tournament. Yeah, it's one of the strongest. Um, them and potentially Sweden have the strongest front threes going into the tournament. Uh, Arda Hegerberg that you mentioned, 51 goals in 82 international appearances for Norway. So so a really, really good return. And there's a few really, really good returns for strikers in this tournament. New Zealand, Norway, Philippines and Switzerland in that one. Um, our old mate Alan Stajic in charge of, uh, I refuse to say Stajic. It just doesn't sound right. Statsic, um, in, char- in charge of Philippines. All right, so Group B, Tommy, I'm going to you. We've already yeah. discussed the Matildas a little bit, but um, as mentioned, Canada do sit higher in the world rankings, but the Matildas are on home soil. Um, we're also joined by Nigeria and Republic of Ireland, who will not be pushovers. Mm, no, not, like none of these teams are going to be pushovers. There's definitely an element of group of death about it. Uh, I think when you consider Canada, obviously – 
powerful nation when it comes to women's football. Mm. Uh, they beat us on home soil twice last year in friendlies. So I don't know that that is like any advantage for us. Um, is there a big expat crowd? Will it be the same as, I don't know, the tens of thousands of Irish fans that will be in attendance at the game, which is probably going to propel them to another level, uh, the first Irish team to ever qualify for a World Cup? That's, there's a lot riding on this. There's like this is there's a huge wave of goodwill for this Irish side, um, and that's not to discount Nigeria either, who have um, a Cisa Ashiloa, who is just incredible for Barcelona. Uh, something like 83 goals in 89 games. It just you know this is a really tough group, and Australia should go through, but there's going to be some hairy moments. Cooper, anything on Group B? Yeah, I think the one thing Australia have to be have to be mindful of is being the host nation of the tournament and being considered, you know, somewhat of a powerhouse in women's football. Everyone is going to want to be the team that beats Australia and Australia in this tournament. Oh, it shit, becomes yeah. a dangerous flag a to call. have on your back. Um, and there is teams in this in you know in this group that are capable of that. Like you said, Tom, Nigeria are you know they're a massive rank outsider, and they're in a they're in a tough group here. There's no denying that. But like I said, Asasara Shola, such a great return for Barcelona in the season, just gone and a phenomenal player. Um, the first African player to be in a FIFA best eleven tournament for sorry best eleven team in the women's game. So there's firepower around and Australia, like you said, should get out of this group. And I personally believe they should top the group, but there's, there's danger mm. around them. Definitely in that Nigeria matchup, you worry about like poking horn against, uh, you know, the kind of physical athleticism of the CISA. So yeah, like, like I said, there'll be some moments watching the Matildas where you think, Oh God, this is all going to go to shit, isn't it? But you know, the Aussie DNA, right? Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah myths let's go uh tom i'll throw to you again for group c but spain and japan are going to fight it out over costa rica and lowly zambia spain are the favorites to win the group but japan are a former winner of this tournament they are the japanese you know they had that incredible run between 2010 to 2015 where they just won everything world cups olympics like they were the business uh, asian cups like we lost to them twice in asian cup finals do we incredibly good uh, footballing program like their technical ability is always well known but it's just it's the nature of which they can find a pass almost telepathically and that that kind of transcends all Japanese football and so yeah they're going to be great to watch um, I think maybe I mean the Spanish story is really interesting too because they had that huge fallout um, with their coach and their backroom staff and like a whole host of them retired basically and then you got a whole new line of scabs coming through who have taken their place and they seem to be as good or even better. And so scabs. this <laughs> well, wouldn't you? I mean, if you if you know the guys above you has said this is a terrible place to work, what are you doing? Like that we need to fix this, we're gonna quit and not play. And then you come in and assume the position to go to World Cup. Sure, that's what a scab is, right? You're telling the story. <laughs> They've got a cloud hanging over them, I think, Spain, and they'll be interesting to watch. They they should still get through. Um, but I think you've mixed up Zambia and Costa Rica. I reckon Zambia have an opportunity here to shock the World Cup. This is my smoky. They're not, they're not your smoky. Shut up. No, they're de- no, they are definitely my smoky. Smoke, smoky <laughs> to achieve what? To a, you know, finish second in this group. Come on. Dead set. Over Spain and Japan. Oh. 
Yes, over Spain and Japan. Yes, because tell him why he's wrong. Yeah, I think it's a terrible call. Um, it's the <laughs> what did we? How did how did a uh, long time listener to Kendra describe it the other day? I appreciate Tom's ability to stay alternative in all situations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Japan and Spain just too strong. Um, Spain should top this group, and they're a real threat to win this tournament. Um, Alexia Patella back in the team for Spain. She's a back-to-back Blonde Dior winner. Um, she missed the Euros because of an ACL injury, and now she's she's back and raring to go in this World Cup squad, and she's got a lot to prove. So they're going to be a hard team to beat Spain, and and you know Japan are good enough to get themselves all the way to a quarterfinal. They're in a in a situation where if they let Spain beat them and finish second in this group, that if they do get to a quarterfinal, it will most likely be the USA they come up against. So sticky situation for them, but now nah, Spain and Japan too good for Zambia and Costa Rica in this group. Yeah, watch out for Barbara Banda. Awesome. I'll stick with you again, Cooper, but Group D, uh, one of the more even groups. We've got Denmark, England, and China, accompanied by Haiti. Kira Walsh, someone that you've highlighted as one of the world's best to watch for this World Cup. Yeah, um, she seems to be the midfielder that's coming on. A lot of people seem to think she's the best women's midfielder in the world now. She's just had her first Champions League success, winning the Champions League with Barcelona. Um, and I think this this England team are just ready to bounce on. You know, they've just won just won the Euros uh, in the most recent Women's Euro competition. They took out Germany in a final they weren't expected to win. And I think they'll be really trying to be that European powerhouse in this tournament and and trying to take that next step, um, whether they're good enough to beat teams like the USA or if they do come up against Australia later in the tournament on home soil, whether whether that's something they'll be able to handle remains to be seen. But they should should comfortably get out of this group and I'd say comfortably top this group as well. Tommy, yep. you got anything yep. on Group D, and please don't tell me that you think Haiti are smoky. Oh, no chance. Nah, they're terrible. The um, the, England got the group that Australia should have got because you know how the host nation always gets the soft group. Like, this is the one Australia should be in. It makes absolutely no sense that we have been faced off against difficult opponents and England get this walk in the park because they shouldn't see any trouble here. The only issue, I guess, is... They're renowned for being slow starters in tournaments, but like the first games against Haiti, like you should win this by 10 figures. Yeah, I don't think Australia's group is honestly too much more difficult than this group. I think it's, I think, Mm. I think it just that's that's how bad this team (laughs) they should be favorites going going into the group to top it. And there's probably you know one one competitive team with them. Um, Denmark are a team that shouldn't be slept on in this competition. They've got, you know, a lot of talent. Peniel Harder, two-time UEFA Player of the Year winner. Just plenty of firepower in the Danish team too. The two of them should go through. Uh, too strong for Haiti and where am I, China? Yeah, but, but they said that about the the men's Danish team. They're perennial underachievers. Ooh. That's interesting. I just... The, the thought process behind Australia's group being stronger than this when England have the 13th and 14th ranked team in the world in a group with them, whereas Australia's next best opponent after the Canadians is Ireland, who sit 22nd, have potentially just lost their most important player in a pre-tournament friendly and really aren't that good. It, it should be a walk in the park for Australia. And I wonder if we're doing this thing again where we're trying to lower the expectation of the Matildas to avoid disappointment. Well, yeah, definitely. That's how we roll, but... FIFA rankings are bullshit. Um, I can't believe we didn't we skipped over the the behind closed doors friendly between Colombia and Ireland. They got called off after twenty minutes. Did you see this, Sammy? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, I did, was... but I just didn't. I just powered on. <laughs> just you know, continued scrolling. You were in um, 
you're in Australia's decision-making capital on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, imagine getting a behind-closed-doors friendly called after 20 minutes because it's too physical. Yeah, it seemed the Irish team believed that the Colombians were too physical and that playing the rest of the game was not a smart decision for them a week <laughs> out from the tournament. And it's probably fair enough. I mean, they had one of their better midfielders sent to hospital 19 minutes into the game after a pretty nasty challenge from a Colombian player. So it's probably a smart decision. Group E, Wild. Tom's just said uh, he's just shot all over the FIFA rankings, and I tend to agree, but I'm gonna re- I'm gonna roll them out anyway. Uh, it's a World <laughs> Cup, and Group E has the Netherlands ranked ninth. It's got Portugal ranked twenty first. It's got Vietnam ranked thirty second. But the big one, Tommy, is the defending champions, the world number one, and that is the USA. 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 Um, did you see the really fancy Fox studio that they set up on Sydney Harbour? Just I, I did. They've they're pouring some money into this and like <laughs> they're not the only ones. You know, the US come over and they weren't happy with the facilities provided by FIFA and Ergo Australia. They decided to build themselves a private training pitch, yeah, a gym. And brought in temporary buildings for offices and meeting spaces. Uh, is this a nation that means business, or is this the kind of arrogance you would expect from the United States? It's it's very America, isn't it? Just I thought it's yeah. America. I can't, you know, and that one of the players come out and said that their B team could win the World Cup, and it's just it's like crazy levels of narcissism. I. Yeah, they're the best nation in the world. They've won the last two. Rah, 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 rah. Isn't, the, isn't it going to be so joyful to watch them get bundled out um, in Brisbane or somewhere random in the round of 16? It's going to be, be great. It's, it's going to be the moment of the tournament. Are they are they beatable, Tommy? Oh, like probably not, but they're the best nation for a reason. But they've, but they've got flaws and you know they can also be exposed in areas there's there's a lot you know this is almost like the new gen coming through there's a lot of first starters first world cups um not to say they're not quality footballers of course but this uh yeah no nah, no nah, they can't be beaten they can't be beaten they, they would have to fuck up i don't think they're going to get beaten by a better team in this tournament no um look the netherlands in their group um uh... Obviously, like you've said, Sammy Knight's ranked in the world. Um, but weakened squad. No, no Viv Miedemar for the Netherlands in this tournament is probably the biggest out of the tournament, potentially the either Viv or Frank Kirby for England. Um, but if you know the US will play the Netherlands in, in a group stage game that you know it's not a door die contest. Um, and if they do get through that group on top, favoritism in other games has them not facing a top ten opponent in the world until a semi-final again. So it's it's a relatively padded run for the USA if they do come out of this group on top, and they should mm. get to a it's a semi final against someone like a you know like a Sweden or someone on that side of the draw, or a Sweden or a Spain, and it should be, you know, it should be pretty simple doings getting to the final for the US in this tournament. All right, Group F has the power uh, football powerhouses of Panama and Jamaica, and the absolute minnow <laughs> nations of France and Brazil. Going head-to-head in this one, a Brazilian side with uh, Marta still running around at the age of 37. I just spoke before about the Matildas players that I remember seeing playing feet. I feel like they've been playing forever. This this lady definitely has Marta, and she is absolute class. Yeah, she's been named 
FIFA's best women's player in the world six times now. Um, Unreal. It's, it's not really a coincidence, is it, if, if things like that keep going. Um, with Brazil and France get out of this group with ease. France, uh, they're a weird team in this tournament where it seems that they are a squad with like a high age profile, um, highest average age for a squad in the entire tournament, the French coming into this one. Um, and it's one of those questions whether, you know, will they lack youth or will the experience get them over the line? Cool. Tell me if you've got any, got anything on France and <laughs> France and Brazil for me, or if it's just a, you know, simple Panama and Jamaica, <laughs> probably not quite at it. Oh yeah. This is the lock of the tournament, isn't it? Brazil and France go through. I just, in what I, other world could you see other of these teams causing an upset? It doesn't. Well, you called Zambia smoky before, so yeah, Zambia are the genuine smoky, so... and you'll you'll see that eventuate. This this group has you know the power, not the powerhouses. <laughs> We've said that word way too many times. <laughs> the the historical giants of the game will go through. Yeah, right. um, just a a quick fun fact of the tournament for you on Panama being a real minnow. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation of the last name completely, but Hilary Jayen is Panama's player that plays at the highest level of club football that's in this squad, and she plays in the collegiate competition of the USA. Yeah, it's wonderful. Gonna, it's going to get ugly, uh, but they are they're they're 52nd in the world, and Zambia is 77th. But Thomas Zambia yeah, is the snake. I just <laughs> Come on. That's that anti-African bias. No. Yeah. I love I love that Cooper prefaced that with I'm gonna butcher this and then mispronounced pronunciation. <laughs> pronunciation. I love it. Group G, <laughs> Tommy, has some big footballing names again. Italy, Argentina. They do. Um, but the big favorites in this group are the Swedish side. They sit third in the world rankings, uh, which are bullshit, but you know, they're rankings nonetheless. And Sweden are a very good footballing side. That's what I love about this group is you would anticipate Argentina, Italy to walk it, but no, Sweden are, you know, the 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 best team in the group and the Socceroos, the Socceroos, the Matildas have, you know, had to grapple with these guys um, recently in the Olympics and before that in a couple of friendly games. Brilliant footballing team. Um, player to watch, Fridolina Rolfo, who is, you know, Cooper's pick for the Golden Boot, I think. Yeah, you know, big fan. Um, great season with Barcelona. She's been there two years now. Really good season. Um, I had her down as probably my pick for the Golden Boot. And Sweden is potentially my team that I think could beat the USA. Um, likely running, if they get that far, likely running with the USA would be in the semifinal. And I think if they get past the States in a semifinal, they're going to be pretty hard to beat in the final of this competition. So a seriously good opportunity for Sweden to, to find some success in Australia. That'll be good. Be wow. good. Who finishes who finishes second then? Italy or Argentina? The um, Italians, right? I had the Italians, yeah. I think they're gonna to be too strong. Um a bit more experience in the team and a bunch of players that play in Europe and the USA in comparison to a lot of the a lot of the women in the Argentinian team still ply their trade in, in South America, which isn't necessarily the strongest place to play women's football. Group H, the final one, Cooper, I'll go with you again, but um the in this group, we've got Colombia, we've got South Korea, we've got Morocco, and we also have the side that sits above Sweden in the rankings in second behind the USA, and that is another former winner of the tournament in Germany. Yeah, um, obviously second-ranked team in the world, the Germans. Um, going to be the strongest team in this group by a country mile. Um, 
they should do this with ease and they're going to go a long way in this tournament potentially they're on what seems to be the harder side of the draw i think there's a few a few teams that their their result in this tournament might be a little bit overshadowed by how difficult one side of the draw is in comparison to the other side of the draw if favorites do win these groups um Alexandra Pop leads the line for the Germans. She won the golden boot at the women's Euros, just gone. Um, prolific goal scorer. They got plenty of firepower. They're gonna be they're gonna be a team to beat in this tournament. Um, South Korea probably go through with them. Um, a bit stronger than the Colombians. If if they can handle the physicality like we spoke about of the Colombians before, they'll be too good. And Morocco just they're just too much for Minnow at this point to to be successful in this group. Yep, pretty much goes like that, doesn't it? You would have um, yeah, you'd have that one on top for sure. I like it. Very good. We got through those groups pretty quick. I like it. Good um, good summary. Well done, guys. Uh, do you guys have any other footballing news you wanted to bring up? Um, well, I'd, I'd love to just bleat about the the World Cup in, in kind of like an infrastructure funding sense. Go or on. do you want to keep this light and fun? Nah, go for it. Do what you like. I thought it was super disappointing uh, to have Annika Wells, who's the government sports minister for Labor, uh, spruiking the $3.1 million legacy fund, which is like money that's going to go directly into grassroots football, mainly trying to you know invigorate women's participation and funding the pathways through to the athletic level. Um, there's, you know, what, what she's fundamentally missed in this is that you don't need to energize young you know girls to playing football because that's what they do already what you need to do is give them more than fucking 3.1 million dollars and saying here you go here's a tiny sum of money i mean just like just compare it to the 240 million dollars the labor government have promised tasmania for an afl stadium and you're like we've got a huge sporting event here and an absolute you know the perfect opportunity to galvanize and next generation of women's uh, women's athletes, not to discount the twelve million they put into the high performance athletes and stuff like that, but even that is not anywhere near enough. The the whole thing, I mean, she blamed the codes. Um, I'm quoting a fractured structure where self interest self interested state federations largely run and advocate for themselves. That's like everything. Like you, if you, you're the government, you put money where money needs to go. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Do you, do you feel? There's a little bit of correlation here too with the news we had today in terms of the Vic government pulling out of the the 2026 Commonwealth Games because $6 billion for a 12-day sporting event was double what they were willing to spend, which, you know, we, we discussed this earlier and we thought that economically it was a good decision. But they're still stating there that they were willing to spend $3 billion on a 12-day sporting event in a Commonwealth Games, which is it's not even a whole world stage. Mm. it's it's athletics which you know obviously it i have nothing against the olympics commonwealth games fantastic events but you know football in this country is now the number one played junior sport and we're trying to encourage you know girls and women to get involved and play these games and we're spruiking 3.1 million dollars in comparison to three billion dollars that they were going to spend for 12 days of commonwealth games action it's just it's just makes zero sense on shit like judo like, what the fuck? Why the fuck does judo get the same amount of money that the fucking Matildas and every grassroots young, like every grassroots girl footballer in this country gets? It's it's just, it's nuts. 
It's 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 I can't even understand it now. The fact that we've got the World Cup here and it just has not been matched with government ambition. It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. agreed. We um we go off a bit sometimes on here about the treatment of football in Australia and uh, it's that's certainly not the first. It certainly won't be the last. You'll hear it again from us at some point, definitely. Um, might be a good place to stop unless you guys have anything else you want to add, unless you want to give us maybe your winner of the tournament. Mm, who's going to win? Zambia? No. <laughs> Zambia won't win. Uh, what, Cooper, you're going to go with the USA, I imagine? Um, I think the USA should walk this tournament in um outside of that i'm i'm going to go i'm going to say that if the usa falter it's going to be sweden that win the tournament cool 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 i'm just going to say australia so that we can clip this when it happens and we can say that we got it all along so yeah wicked i was hoping you wouldn't say australia because i wanted to say australia and then out <laughs> you both as fake fans but yeah anyway go australia all right sounds good so that gets underway thursday night New Zealand take on Norway, Norway. at 4.30 or something in the afternoon. Day shift football. Let's go. Um, I love it. It's already been bumped a, to seven, mate. Normal afternoon and watching time. And then the Matildas are underway Thursday night against Ireland. Cannot wait for it. Uh, it's going to be good. Uh, our man here, Cooper, has done a pretty big write-up of that. We'll get that up. Uh, we've got the website up and going again. It still exists, so we're going to make some better use of that. Make sure you check it out. Get around us on the socials. Get around the feed. Go back, listen to our Adelaide United draft, and uh, let us know your thoughts. Have a good week, folks. Go the Tillies. Go the Tillies. Uh, the Tillies. <laughs>